Welcome to Men Alive, a biblical journey to help us conform to the image of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks. Our teacher is my longtime friend, Dr. Jim Cunningham, consultant in adult education, director of Go Teach Global, and author of the book, Men Alive. Jim, listeners to this program may be unaware that you've had some issues with your vocal cords. The doctor offered some advice, and while we then pray for a healing, you still have a strong voice, Pablo, so maybe you could be like an Aaron to me. For those not familiar with the story, Aaron was the older brother of Moses. God wanted to send Moses to King Pharaoh in Egypt with a message in Exodus 4:10-17 to let the children of Israel go free. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now, even though you've spoken to me. I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he's on his way to meet you now. He'll be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you, and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. Jim, many years ago as seminary students, we heard Major Ian Thomas speak to us from Exodus 4, 1-5. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, What is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, Reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, really has appeared to you. God demonstrated his power by having Moses throw his shepherd's staff onto the ground. Moses obeyed, and the shepherd's staff turned into a serpent. Moses had used that shepherd's staff in his hand while looking after sheep out in the desert of Midian. Then God said, Pick it up by the tail, and it turned back into his shepherd's staff. Major Thomas made this point. God can take any skill or gift or talent we may have and use it for his glory. But first he has to take out the snake. And by snake he meant any pride or ego or selfish ambition has to be taken out of the gift before God can use it. So, Jim, my longtime friend, what's that in your hand? Mm, my, my pen? Right. You are a teacher, an adult educator, and a writer. I have rarely seen you teach or speak without a pen in your hand or chalk or colored pen to illustrate a point. I've been in your home numerous times, and I've seen your office. You have over 50 years of journals and articles that you've written and in many cases published. What if God is asking you to share those insights you learned from lessons God taught you to in turn teach men around the globe on radio and podcasts and use you as his instrument? Okay, Pavel, but what about my raspy voice? For such a time as this, I will be like your Aaron. You write as God directs you, and I'll do the speaking. 
Only one thing I ask. Let God take the snake out of your pen. Speak the truth with love. Let your writing be with grace, seasoned with salt. Be bold, be wise, be courageous. God said to Moses, Speak what I tell you to say. That sounds like a plan, Pablo. Okay. Of what current topic do Christian men who want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ need to receive some teaching? The topic of Christian civil disobedience has emerged during the COVID-19 pandemic as a conversation in many Christian homes. This leads to the question, does God permit Christians to disobey government authorities? Jim, we both met Pastor Alan and Alice Yuan in Beijing, China. He was one of the well-known Chinese pastors sent to jail in 1957 for refusing to register his church with the Chinese Communist government. That's a powerful story, Pablo. Let's tell our listeners. Before we do, a reminder that you are listening to Men Alive with Dr. Jim Cunningham. Today we are offering a PDF copy of Civil Disobedience from our text, Standing Strong Through the Storm. Contact Dr. Jim at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. For your copy, ask for it at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. As a young pastor in the mid-1950s, Alan Yuan received six orders from the authorities. Register his church with the government, stop collecting offerings, receive a salary from the government, stop preaching about heaven and hell, do not allow children under the age of 18 to attend any religious services, and submit all sermons in writing each week for approval by a government censor. Pastor Allen prayerfully refused to abide by these conditions. He told the government authorities, The Church of Jesus Christ is a bride waiting for the return of Jesus Christ her bridegroom. The church is not a whore to work for the government. Whoa, that last sentence led to his arrest at age 44. He was placed in a prison labor camp. After 21 years and 8 months, he was released at age 65, but remained on probation for 10 more years until age 75. He recorded messages on cassette tapes and sent them to house churches in rural areas. Once a year, he gathered new Christian believers at a river for a family picnic and baptized those who wanted to become followers of Jesus Christ. In the last year before Alan died at age 91, he and his team baptized 728 new believers. Paul, like Pastor Alan Yuan, you and I believe governments are established by God with authority to maintain peace and protect lives and property. But those authorities must not usurp the commands of God. Like Pastor Alan, we believe it is permissible to disobey government authority first if authorities forbid what God commands, second if authorities command what God forbids, and third, when the government makes an immoral command that is not directly mentioned in the Bible, but inferred. Acts 5, 40-42 says they, the authorities, called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. This is an example of an authority forbidding what God commands. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell them the good news that I died for their sins and I am alive forevermore. 
That was his command. No government on earth has the authority to forbid what God commands. However, one must remember that the decision by the apostles to tell others that Jesus was risen from the dead resulted in their being placed in prison and then flogged. They knew the consequences of disobedience. But look at the result. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Paul, the story from Daniel 3 shows how God's followers responded when a government authority commanded what God forbids. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide, set it up on a plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he'd set up. So all these officials come and stand before the statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. At the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue that I've set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship that statue that I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, and then what god will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the god whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. That's clear. When government authorities command what God forbids, those who choose to disobey the authorities must consider the consequences. And there is a third example of civil disobedience. And that is how one responds when a government makes an immoral command that is not directly mentioned in the Bible, but inferred. Paul, let's take a look at Exodus 1. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They're more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we can't even get there on time. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. In summary, let's review the three examples from Scripture where God used civil disobedience to glorify his name. First, when government forbids what God commands. 
This happened when authorities tried to forbid the apostles from preaching about Jesus in Acts 5. Second, when government commands what God forbids. When authorities tried to make the Jews bow to the golden image in Daniel 3. And third, when the government makes an immoral command that is not directly mentioned in the Bible, but inferred. This happened when authorities told the midwives to kill the Hebrew babies in Exodus 1. We need spiritual discernment men to know when to obey and when to practice civil disobedience. There you have it, men. May God give you that discernment. You can request your PDF copy of Civil Disobedience from our text Standing Strong Through the Storm at menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. That's menaliveuntogod at gmail.com. Men Alive is a production of Go Teach Global. Visit our website at goteachglobal.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Paul Estabrooks, on behalf of Dr. Jim Cunningham, encouraging you to become men alive, transformed into the image of Jesus Christ.